Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Room 1710. Uh, today, I got a very special guest with me. She's a songwriter. Oh, excuse me. I said songwriter. Writer, producer. Um, also, you say you do performance. And she is the host of Polly Wanna Podcast, where she talks about, you know, your, uh, her lifestyle of uh, polygamy. Uh, I like to introduce Astra. How you doing, Astra? I'm doing well. That's good. I do like that you're manifesting a career as a songwriter for me. <laughs> so maybe that's next on the list. It is. I is do it? a lot. So. It's not too far from poetry, right? And that's something that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am a poet, and I've been teaching myself ukulele. What is so that? It's like that tiny, tiny guitar. The ukulele? You like know the Hawaiian? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What made you get into that? Uh, it was just something that I could travel with. I, I go on excursions in my van. I don't know if you saw that I do, like, traveling a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So I take that with me so I have something to do when there's no internet. And it's, like, small, so it's not like a whole guitar. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. No, I, I never even tried to do that. Probably maybe when I was a kid, but, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even know where to begin on how to play with that. Well, um, for the audience people, uh, I kind of want to let you know how I met uh, Astra. Um, on my last episode, uh, my friend Amy, she was telling me about a podcast that she was supposed to be on, but was never on. Uh, she told me about it. Uh, Ryan. My podcast? No, no, no. <laughs> Ryan's. 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 She was actually supposed to be on Ryan's uh, podcast. Uh, oh, okay, gotcha. What is it? Ryan's Crush Corner? Yeah, Ryan's yeah, Crush yeah, Corner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh you know ever since i started doing podcasts i'm always interested in listening to other people's stuff mm-hmm. and so on the very first episode was you and so what you know drew me in i was the first one yeah you were the first one i forgot i it, get to be honored all over again yeah <laughs> yeah and it was good why did he stop um, I don't know. I think it was something that he was trying. He does a lot. He does cartoons. Um, he does music. He does stand up. Like he, he's like me, like where he's always trying something new. That's good. And it was a cute podcast. I liked it a lot too, but yeah. there's only so many people you can have a crush on. No, there's not. <laughs> I can have a crush on many, many, many women <laughs> and forever. Um, but on there, uh, that's when I, uh, heard you talk about, uh, polygamy, right? I'm saying that right. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, it's polyamory. Polyamory. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the difference? Um, polygamy is like a style of marriage. Okay, it's, it's like the legal marriage. term for having many wives. Uh-huh. And polyamory is like um, the social term for like having many lovers, no matter your gender or your legal situation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what I do is polyamory. Polyamory. Yeah, I know that there's different ones. I don't remember the names, but. There's like different, yeah, different like categories of how you can get married and all of that. Yeah, yeah or relationships. I think. Um, do you know the one that's called where it's uh, only the guy can date other women, but the women can't do anything? Um, well, it, when it's marriage, that is polygamy. But okay. there's also something in the polyamory community that we call the one penis policy. I remember hearing you talk about that on your podcast. <laughs> and that means that only the man does it, and then the woman just like chills at home or whatever. Dang. Or it can hook up with other women, okay. technically. Yeah. But no men. Oh, yeah, one penis. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into it? I, myself, the origin story of my polyamory journey is I got married to my high school sweetheart. And we um, traveled for the military because he was in the Army. Did you get married at 18? I did, oh, yeah. okay, wow. I got married right at 18. Jeez. And we were approached by swingers. Apparently... Mm. 
in the military, I didn't know this until I was a spouse. They are fucking. They are fucking each other. They're Damn. fucking outside of their marriage. When people are deployed, they have their whole other side piece over here. Like it's non-monogamy is like really it's a part of military culture. And that's how I discovered it was, mm -hmm. you know, me and my husband were really hot. Everybody was like, okay, well, we got to fuck these guys. Um, and I was really into it and he wasn't. And so that was like a conflict in our relationship. We ended up separating for other reasons besides that. But then after mm -hmm. I got divorced, I was like, okay, well, let's see what's up with that. Yeah. And so I started doing what I called open relationships. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the term polyamory yet. Okay. And I I had known about swingers, which yeah. is where people like swap partners because yeah. that's what they had been doing with us in the military uh, or had been like, you know, trying to get us to do. <laughs> and so I was like, well, maybe I can find people that are swinging. And mm -hmm. so through the swinging community, I found the polyamory community. Um, there was actually like another co comedian that was polyamorous when I was doing stand up and I heard him make a joke about it, and I was like, that sounds like what I want to do. <laughs> and so th that's when it started. So it's been probably like eight years now that I've been practicing polyamory. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. wow. So how long were you married for before you, oh, uh, your like inches? a year. Okay. Yeah, it was in and out. We were high, like we were together from middle school until we got married, and then as soon as we did that, we were like, what the fuck have we done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a young age to get married to. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty normal, but I can't imagine. Oh man, very Texas. Married. Like, oh yeah, yeah, let me just marry my high school sweetheart, yeah. and I'll go into the military. And I, thank God I didn't get knocked up. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Because so. I remember you talking about it was a bad marriage, right? Yeah, little blessings. Yeah, hey, it all <laughs> works out. Yeah. And you're right about it being the Texas thing. I think I remember, like, someone being 17, married in high school. And I thought that was crazy. But, yeah. So, um, so you're in the, uh, you're married to a military man. Very common where you're at. It's a whole year. So you get divorced. And so you've just been in this lifestyle since. Yeah, I, like... You know, I was on this trajectory to have this, like, super um, classic life, like, white mm -hmm. picket fence, we're going to have kids, like, have this career. Um, and I'm an artist. I was, like, making jewelry and trying mm -hmm. to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And as I was kind of exploring that for myself and experiencing it, I was like, I do not want a traditional life at all, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very lucky at my young age that I had the awareness to know, like, oh, I kind of feel trapped by this. Like, there has to be something better. And when I came back to Houston, um, it was really just about me kind of having an adolescence that I had never really had. I grew up really sheltered. Mm. Um, I, you know, was never allowed to leave the house. And um, even though I myself was a really adventurous, free-spirited person, mm -hmm. that was never really supported or fostered in me. So I spent, you know, the first half of my 20s really just living my life to the fullest. Mm. Um, and on that journey, I found that I was really interested in uh, multiple relationships at a time and how to do that ethically uh also kink which is something we can talk about if you want to like I doing kind of um you might it's think like of s &M? Kink. yeah okay. that's a kink. okay there's also other kinks like feet or oh yeah cake. you know kink is like the umbrella cake. term for like stuff that you like to do in bed that's kind gotcha. of non-conventional like fetishes yeah or fetishes uh, okay uh, so I like got into that world and, you know, it's a Venn diagram, all of these things that I'm, <laughs> that I'm diagram. trying out for myself, but I just, I didn't want there to be something about my emotionality or my sexuality that I had undiscovered. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to figure out what it was I wanted 
because I didn't want to end up in an unhappy relationship like the ones that I saw around me. I needed to know myself in order to do that. Yeah. So I, as a single woman, which is not really common, most polyamorous people are couples that have opened up. Yeah. And I was just out there like <laughs> single, like trying to figure it out, um, getting into all of these like uncomfortable and um, new situations. And uh, through that is when I decided to do the podcast, Polly Want a Podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, at the time, I mean, now it's way more popular. There's so many resources at the time. There really wasn't a lot of content out there that I felt like I could resonate with as a single person. Yeah. Um, and so I made it myself and through those interviews and even, you know, the people that didn't get on the show that I just would talk to about polyamory because it was something that they were passionate about. Uh, I was able to find like my unique perspective on relationships. And mm -hmm. I think whether you're monogamous or not, that's really important to do. Mm. So I guess also another question I have too is you're in your twenties trying to figure it all out. You're just even still, even still, right? Even still, it, It's going to be forever. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends. But I guess how come, uh, what made you label yourself as a, uh, sorry, and I'm always going to get it polygamy, right? Polyamorous. Polyamorous. Yeah. So sorry, I'm going to keep That's on okay. getting it wrong. Polyamorous. Well, polygamy is such a more common, like, culture yeah. word. Like, you yeah. hear polygamy way more than polyamory, which is, like, a whole other thing. So um, how did you know that you were that instead of you were just dating around? Because you mm. said that you weren't committed to anyone. You were just, just out there, just dating and stuff like that. So how did you know that that early? Like, that's the lifestyle that you wanted to be. That's a in. really good question. And I think that that's, like... That's so important for people to discern the difference between like, I'm just sleeping around yeah. and looking like, and if I find a partner, I'll settle down. Or am I actually like polyamorous? Yeah. And for someone with like, you know, wandering dick syndrome, it can be hard <laughs> to be like, oh, you know, like I, I want to have all these relationships and I want to communicate about them openly, yeah. but I don't know whether or not I'm non-monogamous. For me, it was really clear based on the people that I was meeting and the things that I was reading about polyamory. Um, polyamory is defined as ethical non-monogamy. Ethical. Yeah. Okay. It's like a form of ethical non-monogamy. So is swinging, technically, because it's everyone's honest about what's going on. In okay, so that's what makes it ethical. Exactly. Okay. So no one is ever hidden from the reality of what's happening. Okay. And of course, polyamorous people can fail at this. But generally, if you're doing it in the ideal way, yeah. um, you're being honest with everyone so everybody knows. And for me, that was the difference because I've always been a really open communicator. I really don't like dishonesty, even though I'm like, I have a lot of Scorpio in my chart. I like really like oh, to have, Scorpio. I have a lot of Scorpio in my chart. Oh, okay. Um, I like to have really open and honest conversations about mm -hmm. where I'm at. And this was true even when I was monogamous to my partner's chagrin because it's like, you know, people get passive aggressive and yeah. there's things that they haven't really processed yet. That they're not ready to talk about. And I'm always just like coming in guns a blazing. And as I was meeting other polyamorous people, I was like, these are people that I want to have relationships with because they can talk about difficult things. Yeah. They can have conversations about how they feel, what they want, what their boundaries are. And that was so new for me to be able to feel like I was having that reciprocated. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that level of honesty was something that I really desired. And the other reason that I chose the label of polyamory rather than just, you know, dating around is that I want to have multiple relationships for my whole life. Like I want a child rear with more than one person. I want to have community around that. Um, so for me, it is, a, it's a part of my identity. I consider it an orientation, mm -hmm. which is still up for debate. Like 
do people choose polyamory or does it choose them? It chose me. Like I did not make this choice. I have been like this my whole life. <laughs> and to have a word that like encapsulated my behavior so well, mm -hmm. like that for me was just so liberating. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm not kind of putting your business out there too much, but I, I know this information just from your podcast. Yeah. Right? My business is out. Yeah. 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 So this is all from your podcast. It's all out there. But, um, <laughs> I remember you talking about how uh, when your mother came out to you. So, and she was, was she just gay or was she bisexual? Gay, yeah. Okay, lesbian. okay. So did she have a similar type of lifestyle? Because I remember you hear, hearing you say that, you know, you've been like this your whole life. So was it kind of that lifestyle maybe a little bit introduced or it was just your mom was just like, hey, you know, I like women. Yeah, that is so sweet to hear you bring that up because I, I've been spending a lot of time with my mom recently. That's I've been great. like staying at her place. That's great. Um, with her and her wife. And yeah, okay, I married. I do that I do tell that story because her coming out to me was a huge like um it was family drama. Like yeah. it was Thanksgiving conversation. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, not only is she a lesbian, but she told her daughter. <laughs> and you know, everyone's at a young like, age. How old were you again? I mean, I was like six or seven. Yeah. But you know, mean I'm the same kid then that I am now. I was like so curious, up in everyone's business, always asking questions like, Who's that girl? You said she's your roommate. I don't believe you. <laughs> like literally, like I was a dick. And so it's not her fault. But um She had no choice but to come clean. Exactly, which is good because she I get my honesty from her. She mm -hmm. doesn't hide shit. And she has an age-appropriate way of talking about everything, even to this day. So um, she has actually told me since then, mm -hmm. when I, she never told me about any non-monogamous stuff when I was younger. She was just like, I'm a lesbian, drama. And then um, I was having a conversation with her maybe like four years ago. And I was telling her about like this couple that I'm seeing and like, mm -hmm. you know, giving her all my polyamory, you know, tea. And she was like, you know, it's so funny that you are into that now because when I was coming up as like a young lesbian, it was really common for all of the girls to be hooking up with each other and like yeah. not really talking about it. Yeah. And she was kind of framing it in this kind of like, oh, it's the 90s and there's like a scarcity of lesbians that are out. And so it's a little more um, like common or acceptable for them to be hooking up with each other in that way. Because of the numbers games. So. Yeah. But okay. I mean, you know, from what I've learned talking to the people that I know in the kink world and in, in polyamory, mm -hmm. the queer community did a lot of work around polyamory and non-monogamy before any straight person ever did. You think be so? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, I, I say that because it's, you know, it's in religion and everything like that. Like, you know, in other countries and, uh what religion am I trying to think about? Uh, Muslims. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I was kind of curious. Uh, but are you just talking about as far as like within the United States? Yeah, like a Western okay. ethical non-monogamy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the line the lineage of polyamory that I come from, that I gotcha. that I'm a part of, um, has its roots in you know queer communities that were kind of playing with not just gender and sexuality, but also monogamy really mm -hmm. early on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So what are kind of like the biggest like misconceptions about, you know, the poly lifestyle? Because, you know, most people hear it, um, you know, at least for me, the first time I like really remember hearing about open relationship was like rumors between, you know, Will Smith and Jada. 
So that was the that, that that's just me, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I forgot about that. that you was, forgot that about it. That was great for us. We loved that. <laughs> well, they never really openly, you know, said that they were. I mean, mm -hmm. I could believe it, you know. But you know, that's that's their life. You know, mm -hmm. if they want to keep it private, I respect that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, most people don't agree with it, right? In the Western, because they always think it's like, oh, this is just giving someone a. Um, a reason to just cheat and so is that just really real like are cheaters should they all really be in the poly world or is it what's the misconception about that oh i would hate it if all the cheaters decided they were non-monogamous that would ruin yeah. that would ruin the dating pool but it is you know it's one of those things like some people this is just like such a big topic to unpack because mm -hmm. cheating happens in polyamory too like, really yeah so let's say I have a partner and our rule like for us so that we can feel safe doing this is that we will text each other before we sleep with anyone. We'll just like, Hey, I'm going home with someone else tonight. Mm -hmm. I'll text you in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's like the request that I make of my partner. My partner agrees to that and we're cool with that. Yeah. Then I don't hear from them all night. I wake up in the morning, no text. I call them. They don't answer. Then they finally come home at lunch and they're like, Oh yeah, I hooked up with someone last night. They just cheated. Because they didn't tell me. Uh, Even though we're in an open relationship and we're polyamorous, mm -hmm. they breached an agreement of trust. So mm. that's what cheating looks like in non-monogamy. There's many different ways that can happen. Like, you know, if you agree to use protection and you don't. Um, if you agree that you won't fuck friends and you do. Like, stuff like that can be cheating. I can understand that. What about so, emotional cheating? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Emotional cheating. I don't think that happens as much in polyamory because the emotions are not like there's no boundary around. You can't feel this way about someone. Okay. Whereas in monogamy, which is why I'm not going to tell anyone what to do, but monogamy is kind of dumb. It's like, <laughs> oh, if you even feel that way about someone you're cheating in monogamy, you think so? Yeah. You can have like whole ass emotional affairs. Unfortunately for me, I know what that's about. <laughs> Well, what do you mean by feel? Are you talking about like crushing or? You oh, know? no, 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 not like crushing. Oh, okay, okay, crushing, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like as far as just like being attracted to someone. I'm like, no. Although not sometimes at all. when I'm on the internet, I see people like that are really possessive. I know that's not the standard for monogamy, but yeah. they will be like, oh, I won't let my partner even look at anyone. Yeah. That's not the standard for monogamy, but it's like kind of acceptable in monogamy sometimes. Like, yeah. People are like, oh, like I. You know, if they look at a woman, I'm upset. I I just personally can't understand that because of where I come from. But look, I've dealt with that myself. <laughs> it's it's a headache. It's a lot. And but I, yeah, I think that just being more open to ideas like polyamory can help people like loosen some of those ideas. What? When we talk about like misconceptions, like mm -hmm. one of the misconceptions is that you can't cheat. Uh, another misconception is that everybody's just sleeping around. Yeah. That's not really happening Like either. swingers, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're fucking. Um, but there's a lot of conversations in polyamory, and that's like the standard for polyamory is that it's all about honesty and open communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are definitely people now that like are totally like they're just slutty. And yeah. they just want to be slutty. Yeah. And then they use the term polyamory, mm -hmm. and then they they dishonor their partner in that dynamic. And then people are like, oh, well, polyamory is just cheating. When really they only have a relationship with like one or two probably Sagittarius's that like fucked around on them with someone else. And now they're like, oh, well, that's what polyamory is. And I think it's just because the word has gotten popular enough to mm -hmm. where fuck boys can use it. True. True. And, you know, fuck girls and fuck non-binary Yeah, people. there you go. Yeah, yeah all you of the, the fuckeries. The too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever cheated? 
Uh, yeah, I have. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had a habit of cheating, actually, before a I knew habit. what polyamory was. Wow. Mm-hmm. You said before or during? Before. What about during? Uh, I haven't broken any agreements in, since I've been polyamorous, no. Okay. Is it hard to find men who are comfortable with that? Because, like, it's hard just dating someone and just getting to any type of, you know, agreements. So, like, how is it dating in that world? Because, yeah, go ahead. It's, um... I mean, all dating has its problems, like as you said. Like yeah. it's hard dating in any any setting. Um, I'd say for me, like my biggest this is a personality flaw of mine, is that I end up with these guys that think that they're polyamorous yeah. and then they're like, Oh no, I can't do that. Yeah. Like, oh my god, what have I done? And that's like a relationship pattern. But within the polyamorous community, it's a lot of conversation and I think what's really like a breath of fresh air is like when I'm with polyamorous people like in community, mm-hmm. I'm not like constantly being hit on. I'm not like constantly being asked for a date. It's not the same. There's not like a scarcity mindset because everyone is like a little more satisfied. Like there's just more. I'm also in like kinky spaces too. So this might be like leaning more towards that direction. But like everyone's kind of getting what they need and they know who they are. There's not yeah. this like insecurity around it. And there's so many, there's so many more opportunities to have like fulfilling conversations where it's like, you know, platonic intimacy is really important, especially to me. Yeah. Um, and like that line between like, are we dating and are we not can be what prevents people from having things like cuddling, intimate conversations, closeness, yeah. uh, emotional support. And I find that like in polyamorous community, I mean, I date all genders, but the men are like, they're cool. Like oh, okay. they have what they need. And it's not like when I'm with monogamous men, sometimes I feel like they're just like so fucking needy. <laughs> So uh, let me ask you, and you might have said it earlier, so forgive me if I'm not listening correctly, but do you ever, you know, I was researching everything, right? So, and I learned one word is primary. Mm-hmm. So do you choose a primary in uh, polygamy or is it just, you're just dating multiple people? There is no primary. Mm, you mean for me personally? For you personally, yes. So I used to be a hierarchical polyamorous person. Hierarchical, okay. And I would have a primary and then I would have everybody else. And that did that did work for me at the time, but it's kind of like the word I use is mononormative, you know, <laughs> like you might say heteronormative. It's kind of like mononormative. Okay. Um, and it wasn't really serving me because I actually have like codependent patterns. Okay. I go to Codependence Anonymous and <laughs> I'm like working through my shit. And when I'm in those hierarchical dynamics, mm-hmm. my codependency like comes out to play. So for me, actually shifting to what I call relationship anarchy, mm-hmm. which is a word you may have come up on your journey, relationship anarchy is where there's no hierarchy and everybody has just like as much energy as they need at the time. So I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, this person has more time than this person because of this or whatever, which is easy for me because I'm single-ish, you know, single-ish. I have I have three <laughs> lovers, but I don't live with anyone. Currently. You know, uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, I don't uh, have kids with anyone. I don't share a mortgage with anyone. It's yeah. easy for me to say, like, oh, yeah, everybody's equal. Yeah. Whereas someone who's starting from, like, a marriage, they they would probably implement hierarchy, and I don't judge people for that. I know plenty of people that do, but yeah. it's one of those things where it's just about what works well for you at the time. I, myself, it just doesn't feel right for me to say primary because I'm my own primary, really, right now. You know what? I do remember you saying that now that I think about it. And I guess I was going to probably even ask a question, I guess, you know, back then when you had a primary, 
was it kind of hard really or how did you just choose your primary right you're dating multiple people so it's like how are you making this choice to where it's like this is the person you probably spend you know let's say we'll do the 80 20 rule right that's in marriage so this person you decide that this person gets 80 and everybody else just gets 20 like how did that person how did that person get that job Mm. Well, usually it wasn't a decision. It was like a, a happenstance, you know? Okay. Like, they just asked me out three nights in a row. Like, they just were like, hey, you want to stay for the weekend? They just took yeah. me on a vacation. And then it becomes like, oh, we happen to have just spent, you know, 80% of our time together. And that's like a pattern for us. Gotcha. So that that's how yeah. it would happen for me. I don't, I don't know if there's anyone, like, doing the MySpace top 10 situation where they're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is my... <laughs> You know, you're going to fall off the line because you didn't whatever, but I'm sure there are people that do. (laughs) People are petty in all relationship styles, so. 100%. People are people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, and then also, how did you make that decision that, like, you know, you were going to marry this lifestyle? Because you said that you want this until you're old, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that was actually probably one of my other questions, too, is just, like, you know, when people get older, uh, you know, I guess you probably typically tend to slow down and you just want it more simple. But you personally feel that, you know, this is just your life continuing. So it's just like how, hmm, let me see, I'm asking the right questions, but it's just like, how are you so for sure? Like, I'm a very indecisive person, right? Mm-hmm. What's your sign? A Taurus. Oh, cool. I'm on the cusp, though. I'm an Aries and Taurus, but if anything, I'm a Taurus. Yeah, cusps are real. You're a Taurus. You think so? I, I hear that they're not, but I feel that I am because I'm really different than uh, uh, some of my Tauruses. Next time we'll look at your whole chart. We'll we fi- we'll figure out why. I think I know. Well, okay, yeah. I think I want to say I know my moon. My moon is Aquarius. Mm. Yeah, Aquarius. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, we can look at the chart. Anyway. Um. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just how, how did you know? How did you know, like, this was for you? Yeah. Was there a moment? You know, I've been thinking about this lately as well because – I do, um, like I, my whole life is around, is surrounded like in this, it's like encapsulated in this thing of like sex and love Mm -hmm. and what does it mean to be in love and have sex and like all of my work, all of my writing, all of my sex magic stuff, like everything that I produce is around that. And I had to ask myself, you know, recently I like quit my job to pursue my dreams, Mm -hmm. like do I really want to dedicate my entire fucking life to this um, as something like that people see sex and relationships is so shallow and as something that's like kind of like hedonistic and or automatic even mm. like this idea that, oh, you just find someone and you settle down and it's like whatever, like you're yeah. dating and then you're married. And like to me, it is just such a rich, complex experience. Like there is so much um emotion there like we work through our childhood trauma through our relationships we discover who we are when we're in relationships like there's really no way to separate all of the stuff that's going on inside of us with the stuff that happens in relationships so yeah i do think it's really important for me to dedicate my work to that and when i'm thinking about polyamory like i don't see myself ending up with one person like I see myself in community with people. And to me, when people talk about polyamory as complicated, I think it's complicated to try to make it work with two people in a household. You think so? Like in this economy? (laughs) Are you kidding? That's true. 
Who, That's true financially. Who the, fuck, who the fuck can afford a house with two incomes anymore? That's and it's true. not just that. Like I really don't think that our um that we're really supposed to raise children with just two people in the household. Some people are raising children with one person in the household, yeah. but like, you know, kind of uh, biologically, like we're pack animals and, mm -hmm. uh, a really good resource for this is sex at dawn, which kind of talks about the, um, the roots of non-monogamy, like anthropologically. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there's some examination we can do about how anthropology is influenced by current social norms, but that does talk about like how we evolved from bonobos and how bonobos raise children in this kind of dynamic. And yeah. it has like some specific information that I kind of pull from, um, but even when I'm just in community with all my polyamory people, I'm mm. like, I just don't want, I don't want to be in the same house looking at the same face for like 30 years. <laughs> that to me just seemed like to be suppressed. And some people are really monogamous and they're cool with like, like to them, they're not suppressing any part of themselves to be monogamous. So but what's for me, I would be. What's romance to you then? What does that look like? That's a complex question. I'm pretty classically romantic. Okay. Um, like any rom-com you could probably pull from, like flowers, dinner. That doesn't turn you off like this is not real life or you don't <laughs> connect with it, you know? like I love classical romance. I think it's really sweet. Okay. But to me, it's just like I don't think exclusivity is a part of that. Okay. Like, oh, only you forever. Like, ugh. <laughs> that's the part where I get grossed out. But only you tonight? That sounds great. Mm. <laughs> So you're just like one with the wind. Just. Yeah. I think like everyone. Exploring. Yeah. When everyone feels their most free, that's yeah. when I feel most comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm monogamous. You know, that's personally how. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> how did you decide that? Um, I'm, uh, well, I guess you could just say it's part of who I am. Right. Um. It's, it, you know, it's a choice and I just probably, ooh, look, for me, I could probably be like a very emotional person. Um, and I just kind of find that beauty in just being with one person. Uh, I feel like multiple people, that's too much for me. Like, it's hard just dating. I can only imagine just dating multiple people, at least probably, you know, for a long period of time, right? Uh, because things get complicated. Uh, you know, at least in my life, you know, the the longer you know someone, like you said, you, we're working through our trauma and stuff like that. And so for me personally, you know, I'm not married, never been married, but I feel like it would, it's just easier for me to focus. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I do like uh, just by listening to you talk and then also just, you know, people in the poly world, it's nothing I can be in it. I could see myself in, but I do love how y'all challenge monogamy. You know, and I think it should be right because, you know, it's something that's taught to us. We kind of go along with it. Don't ask any questions. Why would you kind of ask questions? Maybe you just saw it and you loved it. But I think conversations like these are good because you should constantly remind yourself of why you're choosing your life, mm -hmm. why you're making certain choices and stuff like that. Um, and one thing I'm envious about, uh, you know, within your community is the honesty and the communication. Um, you know, typically I know everybody's going to lie. Everybody's going to, you know, be dishonest. That happens. Not everybody, but that happens. Mm -hmm. That's a part of life. But, you know, that's a huge part of, uh, you know, your community. And really, you know, when you think about monogamy, you're kind of taught or probably, um, what's the uh, what's a psychology word? Negative 
what is a uh, negative reinforcement mm-hmm. uh, to lie, you know, to, to help protect and stuff like that. And um, I think just being honest with someone is like really important, especially if you claim that you love them. But also I love that how y'all are able to receive that honesty. You're open up to it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I find that great. Um, and I remember you talking about that and just how important it is not to be jealous or uh, what are the other possessive uh, possessive mm-hmm. man so how is it how do you let go of that thought of being possessive right because like not sharing like mm-hmm. i don't i don't know i don't want someone else to connect with someone who i highly connect with right because then it's that i guess another thing that you mentioned insecurity yeah it could be insecurity coming up somebody could you know just easily just take your place and they'll just leave. So what kind of gives you the confidence within this community? That's a great question. I think that like, (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I have a lot of innate confidence. Uh, I'm very blessed in that way. Uh, I'm an only child, so (laughs) that helps. (laughs) Um, But the other thing is that like, I really prioritize myself in all things Mm -hmm. and um, which is ironic. I struggle with codependency. So when I notice that I'm not prioritizing myself, I know that there's something wrong. I know that there's an insecurity or a pattern that's coming up and it's time for me to like refocus my energy so that I'm not, you know, overly controlling or dependent on this person. Mm-hmm. And that all comes from self-awareness, self-reflection and self-love. And for me, like that's just rule number one in life. And I don't think that people really get taught how to do that. Um, I think that a lot of people get taught that they are here to fulfill a role. And I think like that's so it's really important to talk about right now because of the way that gender dynamics are. Yeah. Everyone's like man pays for dinner, woman cooks and cleans. Like you have to stay home with the kids and I have to have like this high paying job. Like there's all this weird gender stuff and it's all these roles. Yeah. And what's under that is these are the things that we have to do in order to be loved. So it's not just this like, this economic thing, which I, I think all of those gender roles are just capitalist propaganda. They're not real, (laughs) but under it is if I behave my gender perfectly, Mm -hmm. then I will be worthy of a partner. And then under that is I don't feel worthy of a partner if I'm not doing these tasks. Hmm. Right. So all of that comes down to worthiness and that, you know, I'm very spiritual. I get that from my spiritual practice and it's not easy because we are in a culture that profits from us hating ourselves So we have to, in the same way that like I'm challenging monogamy, I'm also challenging a grander system of us, you know, taking this beautiful skill that we have of interdependence, this skill Mm -hmm. that we innately have to be able to give and receive love and support. And it silos it into these couples and it kind of sits us around here and it says, okay, you can't share appliances. You can't share lawnmowers. You all have to buy one. (laughs) Like that, that to me, it just seems like all of this thread. Yeah. So when I'm thinking about relationships, I really see it through this grander lens of like humans are relational creatures and how am I using that power in a way that is like not just beneficial to me, but beneficial to my species, like to the community, to the people that I love and I care about. Yeah. I know that it's not, you know, it's not everybody thinks that way. I know a lot of people are monogamous and not every polyamorous person is out to like collapse capitalism with their love. So it's like, I don't know how relatable that is, but I do think that like just starting from a self-love place, like if someone's interested in non-monogamy, that's like the first step is like, be sure that you have the support and love for yourself because 
people will run around on you and non-monogamy too, you know, like it does get hard. It does, it is still challenging. Um, and a lot of my feelings of, you know, insecurity and possessiveness had to be unpacked by just remembering, like, I don't own anyone Yeah. and I'm grateful to even be alive. So I try to just like live from that space. Yeah. And that's, I guess when you talk about, we don't own anyone. Right. But there's that sense of betrayal when someone doesn't live up to their agreement. Yeah, exactly. And so does that still hurt you too? Like, oh yeah. I mean, that's, you know, when we were talking about ways to cheat in non-monogamy, like that's happened to me. I've had people do that. Yeah. Um, especially because I'm always like, oh yeah, they want to be polyamorous. I'm going to teach them and they're going to kill it and we're going to be happy forever. <laughs> it's like you can't really, you know, if someone's not ready, they're not ready. So that that's happened to me before. And I do feel deeply portrayed. To me, yeah. it's like I give... I give everyone the option to do whatever they want as long as they tell me. So when they don't tell me, I feel so betrayed mm -hmm. because it's not like I said you couldn't. It's yeah. like I said I just wanted to know. So that has really broken my heart. But people's behavior is always a reflection of them and not of me. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that heartbreak has its roots in that worthiness yeah. like oh they did this to me so i'm not worthy of it i'm not yeah. worthy of their love or their honesty yeah the truth is i am worthy of it they just don't know how true they don't have that skill or they have a weird pattern that's making it hard for them to do it and it's not my job to fix save or heal them so i'm gonna go get laid elsewhere and <laughs> we'll both be happy <laughs> Um, I guess let me ask you probably like your style of dating, right? Mm -hmm. Is it typically like short term? Do you have like a time limit or is just like out in the open for anything? You know, mm -hmm. I figured probably like if me personally, if I was in a poly relationship, um, you know, I would have, you know, my primary and I would probably, um, be like two to three months because what was that that you mentioned? Um, it was something energy. Oh, new relationship energy. New relationship <laughs> energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's uh, for me, and I, I that clicked right because I, I, you know, I'm dating right, and so. So you feel it too, yeah. Yeah, You're like yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, new relationship. Yeah. Who am I? Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that spark, that energy, and um, you know, I I could see myself being that. Um, you know, I would never be that because I I enjoy going deep, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Look, I forgot my question. Um, yeah, I, I heard your question. Your question okay, was go about, ahead. like, the longevity of my relationship. Yes, 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 yes. Do so, you make a subconscious choice? Yeah, about, like, when it ends. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of us are victims of having NRE, and then it wears off, and we're like, who is this? You know? <laughs> like, I don't even remember I was attracted to you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, infatuation wears off after two years. That's another psychological thing that we're battling. Um, I myself, you know, one of my partners I've been with for like four years mm -hmm. and we underwent something called a relationship transition. It's another thing I talk about on the podcast. I think I remember that. And it's like, it's not that we broke up. It's mm -hmm. just that our relationship became a different kind of relationship. So we were like codependent. He was my primary. We did that for two years. And then I was like, Hey, I can't do this cause I'm healing myself and this doesn't fit into my life anymore. And so we separated for like six months mm -hmm. and then we came back together as like lovers and I'm staying with him now. Like this is my lover. Um, it's been four years that we've known each other. So even though our relationship has changed over the years, mm -hmm. like that's a really long-term relationship. We're really communicative. We have good boundaries. 
another lover of mine uh, was a similar thing. We were dating. Mm -hmm. Um, They thought that they could be polyamorous. It wasn't really working for us. Mm -hmm. So now we have like a much more casual relationship and that's been two years now. Okay. So I would consider those pretty long-term relationships, four years and two years. Um, and then, you know, my third lover, like we just started talking and we are in NRE, like hello, like <laughs> in each other's business, texting yeah. every day. And that relationship will probably transform. It's very kinky. Um, and in my circumstance, what I'm really trying to do is just make sure that I'm having like the most amount of enjoyment and so are they. Mm-hmm. And so I like to do a lot of checking in, like, is this still working for you? Is this still working for me? Yeah. Um, and I, it's hard to say whether or not I make a subconscious choice because that, that would be subconscious. I wouldn't even know. Um, but I think I actually prefer like long-term deep relationships. But mm. for me, the priority isn't necessarily to get them to stay with me or to get them to commit to me. It's to be sure that like we have a really rich friendship and then everything else on top of that is kind of a bonus. So like our relationship is primarily like a really deep supportive friendship and then also we fuck and they take me on dates and like (laughs) that's the other stuff that we do and for me that's kind of how I engage with my polyamorous relationships and then if we decide to transition out of romance and sex then hopefully we can stay friends if we didn't fuck each other up too much is that the same is this like the same thing as friends with benefits or it's a little bit uh less complicated I guess I would, I mean, friends with benefits is such a, it's a term I struggle with because most of the time when people say that, they're not doing the friendship part. They're think so? only doing the benefits part. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Like, if you come over and you fucking you leave, that's not a friends with benefits. If you text me <laughs> at 2 a.m. because you were drunk and you were just out with the boys and then you, like, leave before morning, that's not friends with benefits. Like, okay. if we're not actually able to, like, go to the movies and go to the bar and not have sex, that's not friends with benefits. So uh, this, like the friends with benefits thing, I think is just a total psyop. I don't think it's real. So I don't use that term. And I also like, because that's fair. to me, friendship is the benefit because everyone's always trying to fuck me before they're trying to be my friend. <laughs> so like to me, if I can get a friendship out of it, like that yeah. to me is the most, that's the most beneficial I thing. Talking shit, I like that. Yeah, your <laughs> friendship is the benefit. It ain't just about the body. I hear you on that. It's just so, I got you, I got you. Uh, were there any like surprise boundaries that you know you had while in your journey that like came mm. about? You know, I've done a lot of work around this, and I think like it's been something that I haven't really spoken on much because uh, you know I don't do probably want to podcast anymore. That stuff is in the archive. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. It's still super informational. Everyone should listen to it. Yeah. Um, but I was really kind of a bitch about mm. STIs. What was STI? Uh, STD. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're called STIs now because they're infections, not diseases. Oh, um, did not know that. Yeah, fun fact. Yeah. Uh, and over the years, I've done a lot. You know, I'm a sex magic practitioner and educator, and mm. sexuality is like my main area of study. Um, and I've worked with a lot of different facilitators and coaches and teachers around sex sexually transmitted infections. Mm-hmm. And in polyamory, that's like everyone's number one threshold. And something that I didn't realize was that I would use that fear of STIs to control my partners. And Mm. so I, instead of actually saying like, oh no, I have like a jealousy around this person. I would be like, oh, like there's an STI reason that you can't do this thing you want to do with them. Mm. And it was really like, ugh, like this kind of snaky way that I was, um, controlling my partners. Mm -hmm. And when I found that, when I realized that through my work around STIs, um, 
then I couldn't stop seeing it everywhere because I'm in all of these like polyamorous support groups and all these people are like, oh, but what about herpes and HIV and blah, blah, blah. And they just, they act like it's the end of the fucking world. And now that I'm in that world, I'm like, well, I mean, there's really nothing at this point that can kill you like medically, scientifically, but we put all of our fear in the most hidden place and that's STIs. So we take all of this shame and this fear and these control problems and we put them in the STI place. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I didn't expect to find out about myself. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think there's not a lot of really good sex positive information about. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that to me was really surprising. And, and I'm really think, grateful for that. You think that's a common thing or you, the fear of STI or that's you're saying that's just uh, you? Was it you or you're saying everybody kind of does it? Well, it was me. And then I started to notice that it was happening around me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So like I'm in these groups and I'll see people post about it or even mm. just in conversations with people, they kind of like bring it up. And now that I'm a facilitator and I work with people one-on-one, I can really kind of see by their body language like – Normally, it's not just the STIs they're afraid of, mm-hmm. but it's like it's this energetic thing where they get to put the stuff that they don't want to actually say. Let me ask you another question, too. I, I, something I thought about. Is there a certain type of personality you have to have to be in this community? Like, for instance, can you not be an introvert and be in the poly community? there's so many introverted polyamorous people oh my god yes they all play dungeons and dragons (laughs) and Yu-Gi-Oh and magic the gathering yes there are a bunch of very quiet nerds in the polyamorous community well i mean i mean they're not doing podcasts so you probably haven't you probably haven't met them but they're around yeah Yeah. okay okay because i was curious i mean if you're out here you know uh with multiple partners i'm assuming you have to you know put yourself out there and a lot right like Mm -hmm. uh you probably have to be i'm assuming convincing you know you have to kind of uh you know sway these women or maybe it's a choice that you know it's a community so maybe it's a choice they already made so you don't have to do any work but um I guess uh, I was just thinking, you know, people probably wouldn't want to be involved with them because they're, you know, you probably wouldn't get too much out of them. You wouldn't get that energy, that new relationship energy out of them. It would take a while to get it, right? Because for some introverted people, it takes a while to open up. Um, So that was kind of my question because... Yeah, I think people have like this stereotype of you know, this polyamorous person that's like really outgoing and sleeping around. Cause that's what they kind of think of when they think of non-monogamy is someone who's like, kind of like a sexual, not like aggressor, but like a promiscuous person. Yeah. Just free. And yeah. it's, it's kind of a little bit of a stereotype because I, I'm promiscuous. I'm a huge slut and I'm polyamorous <laughs> and I never shut up about it. And there are definitely many like me that are slutty and proud, but there's also, you know, it's just like if you meet an introverted person as a monogamous person and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, like, they are so interesting. Like I can see their energy. Like I really want to get to know them. Like, mm-hmm. um, and people do fall in love and have really rich relationships with introverted people. Um, and I think what's so funny about that is like the internet is so beneficial for polyamorous people because like I'm not in the grocery store finding out that people are like, I have a tattoo even that says many loves on it. Cause I want people to know that I'm polyamorous. We can't, we don't know each other. We is that can't. like the logo or the, the sign, I guess? Well, polyamory means poly is many and yeah. amory is love. So it's oh. many loves. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This whole time I thought poly meant too. Oh man. I'm telling <laughs> yeah, myself. There you go. That's what it means. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. But the internet's really helpful. There's a lot of community events as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll be able to tell like, okay, that's, 
their husband and he's obviously not like very outgoing, but people will go up and talk to him. You know, it is, it's one of those things where it's a community. Uh, and if you can't find them in person, you will find them in online forums. Okay. There's a lot of dorks. Could you see yourself uh, trying to be with someone who is monogamous? Oh, bitch, I have. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I know you have. Times. I know you have. Could you see yourself doing it again or trying? We call that a monopoly. That's monopoly. when there's a monopoly relationship. I won't ever do that again. It's not <laughs> for me. I think it's really beneficial for people who are already in a relationship and they're kind of opening up. And mm -hmm. one person really just does not care about polyamory. And they're like, hey, babe, love you. Go get laid. I just, I don't want to. I would love it if you do. And if the monogamous person is really into it and fine with it, then that can totally work. Mm. Um, for me, I want to be with people that have mutual interests. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, obviously, I'm obsessed with relationships and sex and love <laughs> and all of that. So it would be very difficult for me at this point in my life to to be with a monogamous person who didn't like really understand or resonate with where I was at. Mm. Um, but you know, I still hook up with monogamous people. It's just, I'm not going to go down that road. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, yeah. Cause it's like, it's just not really, it's not good for my emotional patterns to be teaching someone that I'm with. That's a huge Virgo problem, by the way, is you get into a relationship with someone and all of a sudden you're teaching them everything. Oh God, you're a Virgo. Run Virgos. Like if they, if you feel like, oh, well I'll teach them how to do this and then we'll be happy. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they wanted to learn, they would have. <laughs> oh man. Virgo women are probably the most I've ever dated. Like Virgos. Beyonce's a Virgo. I know. That's my wife. And she has a Scorpio moon like me. And I, so does Will Smith. I didn't know she has a Scorpio moon. I've looked at her chart. Oh shit. Did not know that was available. I love Beyonce. Oh, yeah. You can look up any celebrity chart. Oh, man. Yeah. Next time we're going to do an astrology episode. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you love about relationships? You said you love relationships. Like, what is it that just brings you joy about it? I I really love people. Mm -hmm. I love that everyone has their own uh, unique experience of reality. Mm -hmm. And I love communication. I'm a nerd for communication. Okay. Let me ask you this other question. How do you know the difference? Because you date any any gender, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you know the difference to categorize people between, you know, um, you know, romance or, you know, however you want to do it in friendship? Mm -hmm. Like, do you kind of separate those two? Are those like, are there like some friends that, hey, you can never kind of cross over here? You know, even though you're open, mm -hmm. do you put those lines, those boundaries? That's a good question. You know, I lately I've been really working on this for myself mm -hmm. because like, I, I want to be just as much of a slut for platonic love as I am for romantic love. And I want, I want to cultivate that mm -hmm. because, you know, one thing being raised in the way that I was is that like community wasn't really instilled in me growing up. And mm -hmm. now that I'm older, I'm realizing how beneficial and necessary community is for like a healthy life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I kind of got fucked over on that one. So I'm trying to learn to cultivate community. And with that comes more complicated dynamics like this, yeah. especially because I'm a slut and I'm poly. So it's like, okay, you know, we're obviously attracted to each other. And because I'm a communicator, I like to communicate up front, like, hey, I have a crush on you. I don't think that we should like really go that way because of what you have going on in your life. I just want to let you know that I find you really attractive. Like that would be an example of a conversation I would have with someone like that. Mm. And ideally, you know, I, I'm very lucky that I keep good company. A lot of people will say to me like, hey, I'm attracted to you. I'm okay staying friends. How do you feel about that? Yeah. And I get to kind of have autonomy over that. Yeah. Um, and in the kink world too, like doing kinky stuff, like I get tied up by people that I would never fuck, you know? And through that kind of uh, exploration of relationships where it's like, 
you know, sexy things happen, but our relationship is platonic. Like I get to kind of experience all these flavors of support. Mm -hmm. And I think it really is kind of this gray area where, you know, conversations are just necessary. Like where are our boundaries now? Like, oh, that made me feel some type of way. What are we going to do about that? You know, like, oh, I saw you play guitar and now I'm in love with you all of a sudden. Like stuff like that just comes up. And I think really what makes it complicated is when people don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, maybe I should go for the kiss. Let me talk about it with my friends before I talk about it with them. You know, like <laughs> it's kind of that stuff yeah. that I think makes it a little more complicated. It's, I'm sure, kind of annoying to be like, oh, my God, I have to put myself out there and say something about this. But yeah. for me, that that is fun for me. I like that. Yeah. Sounds like you're very fulfilled. I am. I mean, there are parts of my life that are a total shit show, but I do not think my relationship life is a part that's a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> that's the part that's going really well. <laughs> Um, I guess let me ask you probably one more random question because I know we got to head out soon. But um, in your opinion, what's more like black and white? Would you say monogamy or the poly? Mm. Like Because I heard you mention like gray areas. So what do you think has more gray areas in your personal opinion? It's so hard to answer that. And yeah. it's probably it's probably because I everyone sees things differently, right? I'm sure for some people yeah. this way or that. Everything is a gray area to me. But I think what's beneficial about monogamy, and this is kind of starting to break down as we evolve as a society, mm-hmm. is that it has some rules in place that were written long before we were born. So we don't have to write a whole new rule book. Yeah. We already kind of know. And then we get into relationships, and I think this is the mistake that monogamous people make, is they assume, oh, my monogamy and your monogamy look the same. Hmm. That's not true. Explain how so. Uh, Yeah, kind of like what we were talking about before, like what constitutes an emotional affair? Am I allowed to watch porn? Am I allowed to chat with a cam girl? Am I allowed to go to a strip club? Am Mm. I allowed to, you know, be friends with people that are the same gender as you that I'm attracted to? And we know that, like stuff like that. Yeah. And different people have different levels of that. So I think that monogamy is as much of a gray, you know, blob of interactions as polyamory. But because we make so many assumptions in monogamy, Mm -hmm. we don't always see it that way. We see the black and white and then the gray kind of gets filled in as we get closer and closer together, you know. Okay. Okay. That's a good answer. That's a that's very insightful. You know, <laughs> I didn't think about that, like those rules and regulations. And I guess you know, in within your community also, there's not too many rules. It's kind of open. Yeah, choose your own adventure. Like yeah. you get to make your own rules. Yeah, it's not built in. Yeah, and what I love about your podcast is, you know, you you get very personal. You tell your own life story. You have guests. And just in the very beginning of your intro, great intro too. Like I need to learn how to do intros like you. Um, Let's chat. I'll, I'll definitely. Help yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have to get lessons. But I, I do like that how you specify one that you're not a you know a pro or a, dang I forget what you oh, said. Oh, a professional. Therapist. A professional therapist, and you know you're not there to try to convince anyone. You're just telling your story, uh, telling other people's stories, and you know. If anyone's curious, like, hey, you know, here's some questions. Let me just answer just in case you're curious. So uh, it's real insightful just to, you know, dive deep into that world uh, because, you know, I knew nothing about it. And I think, like I told you earlier, the only time I came about it was when this one woman, you know, talked. um, uh, It was her and this other uh, girl and they had a house husband. Right. And so, you know, when I first heard it with my friends, I'm we're just like, you know, you know, he's using y'all. Like, that's the life. Like, you're not working and you have two women at home. Like, doesn't get any better than that. But uh, I would love to be in a house for a fight. 
<laughs> you said what? I w- if they were fighting, I would want to be a fly on the wall because two <laughs> women that work against one man who doesn't. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it can get pretty messy pretty fast. <laughs> well, but, I'll, I'll say this. So um, I do I do have a podcast now. I have okay. a podcast called Dear Divine Diary. Dear Divine Diary. And okay. I, I, it's a diary entry about my magical practice. I talk about sex magic in my relationships. Okay. So if you want to check that out, you can. Okay. Um, and then if you do follow me on Instagram, which you do, I have an ebook about polyamory. It's called Conscious Polyamory. And okay. so if anyone is curious about it, wonders if they're polyamorous, it's really good to do with a partner because it has like journal prompts. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, hey, we might want to explore this, it's like a really great way to kind of introduce yourself to that. So if any of your l- listeners are also curious. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming. I know this is our first time meeting. And so it's just like you were very open to just meeting. So it's like, I appreciate it because I was very excited about this. I was like, yo, I have a lot of questions. Yay, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thank you very much, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Talk to y'all later. Bye.